Let's take a deep breath. We got, uh, we got some things to deal with. Anybody excited about the word this morning? Amen. Amen. I can't believe it's been 11 years. I looked back and we kind of just I verified it. The first message, message one, was July 17th, 2005. And that title was, It's Paid For. I don't know what I was talking about, but the title was, It's Paid For. Here we are, 11 years, sermon number 353. Wow. That's a lot of talking. Sorry. Amen, amen. All right, let's all just get comfortable. If you can take this out of the... Oh, it's out. All right. Sounds crazy up here. Amen. So this past week, as you just heard, we had a hundred, over 120 kids every night. And what amazes me more about that is 80 workers, 80 volunteers that were here every night as early as they can get here after work, and they left every night after 9 p.m. to go to work the next day to come back every night over 80. Can I just say good job, church? Good job. Good job. The third night that they were teaching, we were teaching Jesus gives us direction. All right, good. I know you guys are tired. I know it's been a whole week. I know. No good. All right. All right. Pastor needs a new mic. So the third night stuck out. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. The third night really kind of stood out to me when we, we were t teaching Jesus gives direction. Amen. And it was one of the games and one of the exercises that, that they, were, they, they did up here in front and they also did it in the annex as a game. And it was somebody was blindfolded. They, they blindfolded a young person. And then the, the young person had an objective. They had to get someplace. And there was one group of people shouting directions to lead them and to, to get them to where they needed to be. And then there was another group of people just making noise. There was another group of people just shouting wrong directions, just, just shouting just distractions and bringing confusion confusion and the young person that was blindfolded had to discern which voices to listen to and which voices to ignore and and so they had to they were going to had to decide who they were going to trust to get them to where they needed to be somebody say amen and listen other than the gospel on day 4 i think that was one of the best lessons that we could teach our kids this past week, I also think it's a lesson that we need to learn. Let me drop a revelationary bomb on you right now. You ready? Lean in, lean in. This is, 
deep revelation I'm going to hit you with right now. This is straight from the spirit and heart of God. Lean in. Not everyone on Facebook is right. Not everyone on Facebook is telling you the truth. I know this is deep. Y'all say he must have fasted 40 days for that. Yeah. Not everyone on social media is for you. Not everyone on, in the media is about truth. And we need to be careful who we listen to and, and be careful and discern who we're going to trust. Not everyone wants to get you. Wait a minute, wait, but they're your friends though, right? But you friended them. But you're following them. But they're following you. But they're your friends and you're following. If we're friends and we're following, obviously, no, wrong. Not everyone wants to help you get to where you need to get to. Jesus gives us direction. Listen, wherever there is disunity, the enemy is pleased and God is grieved. We're going to deal with some hard issues today. I'm sorry, but if we've seen anything in the last two or three weeks, we've seen how the media can direct our focus and change our attention and even our opinion sometimes. In just a matter of posts. The last two months we've seen tragedy after tragedy, terrorism, injustice, racism, vengeance were the trending buzzwords for the weeks, for the last couple of weeks. Young men lost their lives. Police officers lost their lives. And by the end of the tragic week, people were divided and black lives were lost and blue lives were lost and innocent lives were lost. And it felt like we had slipped backwards a hundred years. Amen? And in just a moment, the focus shifted from terrorists trying to kill us to just us killing us. Can we, can we talk about this today? And, and in social media, we're seeing video after video after video of cops abusing authority. And on the other side, video after video after video of citizens disrespecting authority. And depending on how close you were or how affected you were, it, it's very hard to make an opinion, to decide wh where, where do I stand? What lives matter? Who do I listen to? What lives are more important this week? Family, I want to—I have to be very careful because how we deal with this, I understand because I'm already getting the crazy looks. But we have to be very careful how we handle this because we have family right here on all sides. On all sides. You, you understand? This is not one of those churches where we're all one color. Praise God. I would not be the pastor if it was one of those churches. I'd rather just attend some other church. But in this building, we have law enforcement that we love and honor and respect. 
And in this building, we have victims of racism. Right here in this building, we have, we have people that have had bad experiences and have been victims of abuse, of, a, of abuse of authority and of abuse because of the color of their skin and because of where... It's ugly, ugly, ugly. And even right here in this building, we have young people that at this point might have some really poor attitudes towards authority. And in this building, we have parents that are afraid that their sons or family members won't come home one night. And so I'm, I'm being very careful not to, to, be, to make light of any of that because there's truth on both sides. Amen? But we just finished teaching our kids that we have to be very careful what we listen to and what we allow to influence us. And so honestly, listen, some of you, I blocked some of your posts this week. I never unfriend you because I feel like, wow, if the pastor unfriends you, I, you know, that could be bad. I never want to be like that pastor that unfriends you. Like, what a jerk, you know? Like, if the pastor doesn't even want to be my friend, nobody's going to love me. And so, so I don't unfriend you, but I, I hide your posts. This week I hid a lot of your posts. Because many of us kept posting videos after videos that were one-sided. And, and, and in our comments and our opinions, you bought into the agenda of separation and inciting hate. Jesus, whenever Jesus prayed for us, he prayed for unity. It, it takes a time like this to understand why so many thousand years ago Jesus was talking about my body, that we would be one, that we would be united, that we would be together. It, it's hard. It, maybe back then we didn't understand it, but if you read the news and the Bible today, you get it. You get why every time Jesus prayed for the church, he prayed that we would be one. And he never prayed for the black church or the white church or the Hispanic church. He prayed for the church because I don't think he ever saw it in his heart, in his mind, that there would be a black church and a white church and a Hispanic church. Family, listen, listen. We need to have these conversations and I don't mean conversations where I'm talking and you're listening. I mean, we need to come together as, as the body and have these conversations about racism and about inequality and about the poor and about the homeless and about the veterans and about the state of our youth and about having a hope for our children. But we can't do it the way the world does it. The world does not care about you. The world is filled, just look at the political agendas. The world is, is fueled by agendas and purposes and sex. And in the end, it's all about power and money. The enemy of our souls is behind it all and driving it all. Every agenda is a distraction to keep us from actually getting to where God called us to be. Every agenda. It's real quiet up in here today. It was terrorism 
then it was racism, then it was more hate, and then the very next weekend when you thought the world was at its end and nothing would ever be the same again and we'll never talk about anything else but racism again, Nintendo dropped Pokemon and everybody went. Kids, teens, adults, viejos, all coming out the streets, walking, catching Pokemon. And for a minute during VBS, I stood outside a couple of nights and I watched, I watched black kids and Hispanic kids and Muslim kids. Go, I mean, not so many white kids because the neighborhood we're in, right? But, but what I'm saying, there was a mix. And they were all going up and down the block. And all of a sudden, we were all talking. And we were all, I mean, we were all like this, but we were all talking. And we were all, yo, what you got over there? No, I heard there's a, there's a sanctuary. Some, I, there was a group standing right in front of the church. No, there's a sanctuary that's a pokey stop someplace. Because apparently pokey, pokey, um, como se llama, made every church a, a pokey stop. Weird. And so there was a, a group of thugs. I mean, these dudes were thugs. If they were walking, I'd cross the street. They were like straight up hood. Their parents were like to hear. They weren't even up here. They were like to hear. Hard thugs, like thugs. But they're in front of the church. Nah, son, there's a pokey. We got to get the pokey. And, 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 and I saw one. She looks up. She looks up and she sees the, the sanctuary. That's here, stupid. The sanctuary. We right here, son. It's right here. It was, it was hysterical. Side note, even that game, I know y'all expected me to go in hard on Pokemon. I'm not. Relax. But the game did get me thinking. For those of us that don't play and we don't have the app, we don't have access, so we don't see what's around in Pokeland. Watch this. Kids were coming up to me, so because we don't have access, we don't see what's going on. But kids were coming up to me outside. Pastor, there's a, there's a giant two-headed mocha face on your shoulder. I don't know the names. There's like a hundred names for the Pokemons. But they were telling me, Pastor, there's one on your shoulder. And I'm saying, son, they're not on my shoulder. What's going on? I don't see nothing. And so they took a picture and they showed me. And on the picture, in augmented reality, they showed me how there was one chilling, right? A bull. Chilling right on my, just chilling, like. But because I didn't have access, I didn't see it. And so they told me, so they told me, no, but, but, and so they started showing me pictures. Look, there was one at the altar. There was one right here that they caught at the front. I said, what is pocket monsters doing up in my church? What's going on? And they showed me there was one there, there was one here, there was one by the entrance, and they were loving it. All these, everybody's coming to church to catch Pokemon. But because we didn't have access, we, we couldn't see it. When you're connected with the app, your eyes are opened. God, open our eyes that we could discern and see what the world can't see. Listen, it's time for the church who has access to be supernatural again. It's time for us with the app 
to see what the world doesn't see. I want to see the spirit of God is moving in this area over there. So I want to be in that area. Listen, in the game, when the leaves rustle someplace, it lets you know that there's a Pokemon someplace. I want to be in the spirit that I see movement. I see things rustling. And I want to know with my eyes what you don't see. I want to go to that place and say, God is doing something here. I don't want to tell nobody there's a mocha face on your back. I want to tell somebody, listen, man, there's a spirit that's been holding you down and oppressing you and weighing heavy on you and God sent me to to catch that thing I'm here to catch that monster all right that was a bonus sermon sorry back to we need to learn what voices we're going to allow to lead us and speak into our lives which voices we allow to incite us into action which voices we need to silence which voices don't have our best interests at heart? Listen, I can show you. Um, guys, do you have that little video that I, that I downloaded? Do we have that? Before you put that up, if, if you do have it, I can show you 10 videos back to back that have the same agenda. And it could be about pigeons that poop on your car. And I could show you 10, no, we already hate p- pigeons. So it could be like about p- beautiful bunny rabbits. But I could show you 10 videos back to back about beautiful bunny rabbits doing bad things. And by the time you leave here, you'll own that. And if you see a bunny rabbit, you'll be mad. You understand what I'm trying to tell you, right? Do we have that video? This is the only video I want to show you. The moment you realize that violence is not the answer. He said, I can't hit Spider-Man with a stick that's not right. Spider-Man didn't do nothing to me. And so he hugs him, God, that we would have that heart. That we would not have, just because somebody gives us a stick to hit something, that we would have the heart to say, man, that's not right. Why am I going to hit this thing and beat the candy out of it? We can't swallow the agendas that the world leads us with. Listen, please do not be offended today. If you have, you know, you're really offended, send emails if you need to. Who do we pick today? I'll get you off the look. Send them to Lou at Sanctuary Fellowship. Just like, you know, you want to go off on me, send them to Lou at Sanctuary Fellowship. But really, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but but let me say this. It's not about Black Lives Matter. It's not about Blue Lives Matter. We just spent a fortune and a whole lot of time and energy, but it's not about kids' lives matter. And, And it's not black or blue or white or young or old, and I'm not even leading up to the infamous and offensive All Lives Matter. What I'm trying to tell you, what I'm challenging the church is use your life and make it matter. Make it matter. That's the message I want you to get today. Don't sit back and say my life. Make it matter. Live lives that matter. Live lives that make a difference, that bring change, that bring unity, that bring peace. Matthew 5, 9 said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. Who's called the children of God? The peacemakers. 
Amen. That's what I'm saying. He felt it. Listen, there's only one answer. Please hear me out. There's only one answer to all the issues we're facing. Understand this, and I'm going to show you this in the scripture. Racial disunity is a result of sin. Racial disunity is a result of sin. The The word tells us that after the flood... Right? Remember Noah's Ark and the flood? And, you know, people love to use that story to say, oh, God is horrible. How can, how can God be so mean? How can a loving God wipe out everyone? When you look at the text and you understand what was happening during that time, those people did not want God. They didn't want nothing to do with God. They didn't want to be God-fearing people. They didn't want to be God-loving, God-worshipping people. They wanted to have their own lives. They wanted to do whatever they want. And interestingly enough, do you know why God flooded the earth? You know what the scripture says? God says in Genesis 6:11, the earth was corrupt and full of violence. God flooded the earth and wiped out mankind because it was full of violence. Isn't that like, doesn't the scriptures start to, the old scriptures start to come alive today when you read something like that? The world was full of violence and God couldn't deal with it. Violence cries out to God. We've gotten to the point where we think God doesn't care if somebody gets shot, if, if, if a young black kid gets shot in the corner and God doesn't care, why doesn't he stop it? God, yeah, listen, violence cries out to God. Genesis 4, when Cain killed his brother Abel, God tells Cain, what have you done? And Cain says, where's your brother? And Cain says, what am I, my brother's keeper? And God says, don't you understand? The blood of your, your brother calls out to me from the ground. The voice of your brother's blood calls. The world thinks you could do anything you want and have no consequences. But innocent blood cries out to God. Can we imagine for a moment... What God hears today. Forget the 300 African Americans that are killed in Chicago in a week. How about 3,000 babies aborted a day? Innocent blood cries out to God. Imagine for a moment the cries from our country, from our nation. And yet God is so merciful. Even in that time, before Jesus, before forgiveness, before atonement, before the new covenant, God says, how long will I contend with men? I'll be with them, a hun- I'll give them 120 years. And so it took Noah anywhere, we don't know exactly, it took Noah anywhere from 50 to 75 years to finish the ark. And all that time was Grace. We said there's no grace in the Old Testament. Yes, there is. God could have stopped it right in the beginning and just lifted Noah up and killed the earth. God gave him 120 years. That's not grace. That's longer than your lifetime. That's God saying, you have messed up. You want no relationship with me, but I'm going to wait and see if your son's sons would turn to me. I'll give you 100 years. 
I'll give another generation a chance. But in that time, none did. None repented. And, and the, it's interesting. The ark had one door, and then the word says God shut it. The ark in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the door. And once God shuts that door, that door is shut. Matthew says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Lord. People have been told and warned and encouraged to repent and come in, but when God shuts the door, it's done. Anyway, the flood comes, everybody's gone. So Noah and his family, his sons and his sons' wives, God calls them to be fruitful and multiply. So listen, scientifically, we all come from one family. Scientific, we all have the same DNA. We all come from one. The lightest brother in here and the darkest, we all come from one family. I wish we would get that. I wish we would somehow see that that's Theo and that's Titi. We all come from one family. In Genesis 11, it says, men once again started rebelling against God. And so a man referred to as Nimrod, he establishes this kingdom and he builds this tower. And historical writings tell us a little more on this guy. But the Bible tells us in, in uh, verse 4, he says, they, they said, come and let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. Jewish writings believe that they built this huge tower so that they, if God decides to wipe the earth again with a flood, they could be like, ha, 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 we in the tower, son, you ain't getting us. It's pretty foolish, right? So they built this big tower, and so the Lord comes down to the city and to the tower that men were building, and the Lord said, if one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So God says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Listen, and so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. And this is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from the Lord, from there, the Lord scattered them all over the face of the earth. So these languages were all created from one language. Modern linguists today will tell you who study languages, they believe, they, they believe language is not an invention, that this is something that was given to us. And they believe all languages came from one language. Isn't that amazing? So sin and rebellion caused racial division. Can we picture the scene for a moment? We're all working together doing some wickedness against God. And all of a sudden, el, el tipo empezó a hablar un idioma que nadie entiende. Or that only some could. Right? So all of a sudden we start speaking different languages and we're looking at each other like, Wait a minute, well, we were just talking the same, now I don't understand you. And so the Dominicans came up on one side and said, Oye, pero que esta vaina? And, and so whoever was Dominican listened to them and said, Oh, and they went with them. And then the Cubans said, Oye, chico, pero esto está bien malo por aquí. And so whoever was Cuban came to the Cubans and they, and I mean, you know, all right, it didn't happen that way, but you understand what I'm saying. All the languages separated and they became different people from different places and the races were created out of racial disunity, out of out of rebellion. But look what happens in the book of Acts. When they were in the upper room praying together in unity, 
God sends the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God falls on the people that were praying and they begin to speak in other tongues. And in Acts 2.6 it says, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. See, so what sin separated and made people not understand, the Holy Spirit came and brought together and gave people understanding. Come on, that's good preaching, man. What sin separated, nobody could understand. When the Holy Spirit came, everybody understood the language. So the Holy Spirit brings unity where sin has brought division. So the only solution to racism is the gospel. Please get this. The only solution to racism is the gospel. And the only way to address it is by making it matter. We saw all the memes this week, right? Pokemon said go and everybody goes. Jesus says go and people still hanging out in buildings. The gospel is the great leveler. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Some of us think, well, I'm a little bit good. I'm a little bit bad sometimes, but I'm more good than I'm more bad. And so, right? But the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's the leveler. All of us fall short of God's glory and his plan for us. But in Christ, we've been reconciled to God. Can you, can you hear this? 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, He reconciled us to him through Christ. I love the word reconcile. It means to restore relationships, to make things right, to make things compatible. In our sin, we're not compatible with the holy God. No presence, no heaven, no entering into his gates. In our fallen state, we're not in right relationship with God. But the gospel says Jesus covered us to make us right with God. If the gospel can reconcile a race of sinners with a holy God, then it can bring unity to the races here in our nation. But the question is, whose role is that? Well, God did his part. He reconciled us to him. You and me, the church. God did his part. The whole verse reads like this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was not reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of... Listen, church, you and I have been giving a ministry and a message. I know it's hot in here, I'm sorry. But I'm sweating more than you are. But I need you to hear this. Because right now, people are dying. Right now, people are killing themselves. Right now, people are plotting to kill more people. Right now, people are putting stupid videos on social media with guns saying, I can't wait to kill a cop. I can't wait to kill this guy. I can't wait to kill this guy. And they're putting videos, I mean like... And you and I, we're sitting in buildings. And we have the only answer. We've been given a message and a ministry. We've been called to live lives that matter. 
The world needs men and women, kids, young people who carry a ministry and a message. I'm telling you today, make it matter. Amen? That's why we can't just copy and share all the videos that the world is putting up on social media. If it doesn't carry a message of reconciliation, then you're just part of the problem. You're just adding noise. You're just inciting hate. Listen, you could get offended if you want to, and you could say, Pastor, I could put up any video I want. I hate cops. I hate tall people. I hate short people. I hate gay people. Of course you can. You could do whatever you want. I'm not your daddy. But do us a favor. Don't post a scripture next week pretending you're hearing from God. If you want to keep it to noise, keep it to noise. Don't mix it. Don't bring confusion. And please do me a favor. Do not take a selfie in the sanctuary. Because if your message is not reconciliation, then you're not part of us. How we live matters. It matters. What you post matters. What you say matters when you are a minister with a message of reconciliation. It matters what you say. You may not think that way. I'm just 18. I'm just 16. I'm I'm this. I'm that. Nobody listens to me. I'm a viejo. I'm a vieja. Listen, it matters. You You are a minister. Look in your fake wallets right now. You have an ordination card. God just put it there in the spirit. Some of you are like, word? Come on, bro. It's, a, it's, an, it's an idea. We're ministers with a message. I read a, a post this week from Randy. Where's Randy? My man. I haven't even met Randy, but Randy was here all week helping the kids doing VBS. And I kept asking people, who's that? And people say, I don't know. I said, Praise God. But Randy put up a post, and it just grabbed my heart, and it grabbed my attention. He said, with everything that's going on, with all the violence and all the hatred and all, he says, we need to be difference makers. And that just captured me. We need to be difference makers. We can't feed this nonsense. Stop telling me your life matters. Make it matter. I think I've, you know, virtually offended everybody, so this is good. So let me close with this one passage, because I think it applies. Worship team, you guys can come and, and give these people hope. Luke 10. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, there was an expert in the law, and he's He's questioning Jesus, and he asked Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And so I love, I love the way Jesus talks to people. He would be offending crazy people too. He tells them, well, Mr. Law, what's written in the law? And so the guy answers in verse 27. It says, the law says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus said, well, you answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you'll live. 
Verse 29 says, but the man wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, but then who is my neighbor? Who qualifies as my neighbor? Who are we talking about? And so then he shouldn't have asked that extra question because now Jesus dropped a bomb on him and gives him a story. Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they went away. He probably had Jordans on and like the, the latest tunic from, from wherever. Some Kanye gear that looked like a dress or something. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they left him naked and half dead. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw the man naked and bleeding and half dead. And he came to the place and he passed on to the other side. Verse 33 says, but a Samaritan, Jesus says, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and he had compassion. Now, you have to understand that a Samaritan was the worst and the best example that Jesus could have used. The Jews hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans were only half Jewish. The Samaritans were people that had married non-Jews and so they were mixed. Can we say racism? Jews used to pray and probably still do with the thank God that they're not like them. Does that smell like racism? Jews believe they don't deserve God. Those people don't deserve God. I'm, I thank God that I'm not like them. They don't deserve fair treatment. They don't deserve respect. They don't deserve anything good. That whole race of people are no good. That, that's, that's racism at its highest. That's racism from men and women of God. That race does not deserve anything good. That race is, there's no good. Not one of them. There's nobody good. If they're a, a Samaritan, they're bad people. Wow. Don't we hear people talking like that today? About Mexicans. About African Americans. About police. About white. Those people, they're all no good. They're all bad. So, so the Samaritan was the worst example Jesus could have picked and to be the good guy in the story. And at the same time, it was the best example that Jesus could have picked. Because it dealt directly with their prejudice and their opinions regarding this race of people. Jesus said a priest passed the guy who needed help and he didn't do nothing. He said a Levite passed the guy who needed help and he didn't do nothing. Both of them were men of God. Priest's lives mattered to the Jewish people. The Levites' lives mattered to the Jewish people. They were both religious officials. But Jesus says the Samaritan stopped. This Jewish man laying there broken and in need of help was by the prejudice of that day an enemy of the Samaritans. There were different races that didn't like each other. But one saw one in need and he had compassion. 
The Samaritan loved him with a sacrificial love. He didn't wait to be asked. He saw the need in front of him, and it was enough to compel him to action. And so it says he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you any extra expense you might have. So then Jesus asked the religious guy, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This parable gives us the heart of God. It insists that the enemies can prove to be neighbors, that compassion has no boundaries, and that judging people on the basis of their religion and ethnicity will end up leaving us dying on the side of a road. My challenge to the body today, go and do likewise. You have a ministry and a message. Leave this building and make it matter. Amen? Amen. Let's worship.
our voices. We're going to get involved. And you know how we do it? One person at a time. Maybe you don't have the influence. Maybe you can't break injustice. Maybe you don't have a platform. You can't go on the radio, on the TV. But here's the plan right now. The plan is that every person you meet, you're going to be a life changer. How many of you are with me right now? How many of you are saying, that's me? I'm taking the challenge. I can make a difference in one life. I can love one unlovable person. I can love one person who's different than me. Regardless of my experience with the law enforcement, I can love a police officer. That's Jesus. If you don't like that, then you don't like what we have to offer. There's no other Christianity. We got nothing else. So if that's you, just raise your hand, and what we're going to have now, Pastor Ephraim, we're having an anointing service. How about that? <laughs> Not only do you get the fake card, but we're having a service right now to anoint you to do the work of the ministry. And it's not about church. It's about when you go to work tomorrow. When you meet that family member that you can't stand, you're going to love them back to life. So in Jesus' name, I anoint you. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that you are anointed today as a minister of peace, a minister of reconciliation, that you will bring love in Jesus' name everywhere that you go. You're going to change the atmosphere. If nothing changes when you walk in a room, there's something wrong. You carry the glory of God in you. So in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that you are anointed as a minister of the gospel, every one of you. So you go home today and you tell everyone when they say, what happened? Oh, I'm a new reverend today. I'm, I'm a minister and I'm going to love you. So let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry out for this nation, God. We plead the blood of Jesus. We break every wall of division, every wall of separation in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we choose today to be one, oh God. Every race, every nationality, every cultural path. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You said in your word that if my people who are called by my name would seek my faith and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, that you would heal our land, oh God. So, Father, we humble ourselves today, God. Father, we choose to turn from our prejudice and our racism, oh God, from our wickedness, oh God. Father, come down, oh God. Heal our land, God. We cry out for New York.
shelter that we can run to, oh God. And Father, we take your name and we just begin to declare declare in every situation, oh God. Father, we begin to speak your name, Father, in the air, oh God. Father, in every area, wherever we go, wherever we stand, we begin to declare your name, oh God. Because it is your name, Father, that demons flee. It is your name that the enemy will bow to, oh God. It is your name that every tongue will confess, Lord. It is your name, your name that is high and that is so beautiful, Lord. It 
is a name that gives us safety? Is it a name that drives our fear? Is it a name that brings hope, Lord? It is a name that gives us comfort. It is a name that gives us strength, Lord. And it is a name that still has power, oh God. So we draw to you, oh God, today. Make us agents of change, but not by our own power and our own will, but by your name, oh God. In your name, oh God. Anoint us, oh God, for this season, for this time, for this generation, Father. If there's any good left in this nation, in this world, cause your people to rise up, Father, and to begin to declare your name in love, oh God. Father, your people are blessed, oh God, and you blessed us to be a blessing, oh God. So we release you from this place, but stay in his name, in his presence. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.